Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Tamara, who is a seasoned leader with 20 years of experience driving growth and facilitating successful exits for early stage consumer and enterprise startups. Tamara currently leads the global investment team at Thompson Routers Ventures, um, a hundred million strategy fund focused on investing in companies that are forging the future of enterprise technology. She previously led investing and venture capital partnerships in North America and India for M12, which is Microsoft's venture fund. Welcome to the show today, Tamara. Hey, Jaden. Glad to be here. Super excited to have you on the show. Something I would love to kind of kick this off with is, you know, asking you a little bit about your your background and your journey. Was, uh, you know, venture investing, was this always something that you were interested in? Is this something that you kind of discovered throughout your career? Tell us a little bit about your your background and, and what brought you here. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't someone who said, I'm going to go or I want to be a venture capitalist or that's the direction I'm going to go. Okay. Now, I had done six startups with the last one being sold to Microsoft, but fortunately had, um, you know, several exits prior. And I think I just was much more addicted to being at a small company and, you know, going through that journey each time. So I think people kind of pushed me into it in a good way. Uh-huh. You know, I think I had raised at one time, I think I'd counted, I'd raised 16 or 17 rounds by the time I got into venture. So I'd raised so many rounds, done so many pitch decks, um, you know, and gone through the exit process so many times that um, they thought it would be a valuable person to put in the seat on the other side. So I really came into venture as an operator, um, having that experience. And now after you know, several years, many years, I guess. Um, I think I have both sides of it now. I think I can hopefully pick them well and add value to the founders, um, to the startups, because it's hard to find somebody who's actually done it and has the empathy for founders, right? That's difficult. If you're just a venture capitalist, although there are a lot of good VCs, I think there are a lot of empathy. So, but, you know, the ones who've really never been in the trenches, it's hard. Yeah. Hard to understand. Yes. So um, that's super fascinating. And I love that you have that background in startups. Obviously, this was something you are you know, very good at and you did for a long time. And I think that's definitely going to be helping you pick winners um, in today's environment. Something that I'd be really curious, you know, just based on your background, and what you're doing now. Um, what are some of the kind of key factors that you look for when investing and specifically in AI driven kind of enterprise technology companies, right? Like this is a, a big shift we're seeing today in startups is kind of the integration of AI. So what are some of the key factors that you look for when investing in those companies? You know what? It doesn't change that much if you're looking for AI or if you're looking for just good companies. Generally speaking, I've invested in SaaS, um, both on the consumer side and on the enterprise side. So if you think of it from AI, it's always team first. Who who came up with this idea? Who, who developed the, the tech? Um, and how strong are they, right? And, and can they, you know, get it get it to a, a the end game of a venture bet, right? So I think first and foremost, it's the team. And in AI, that might even be more important. I don't know how much more important it can be because I think it's critical in every company, but um, the technical skills and the background and the understanding of how to apply AI to whatever problem it is they're trying to solve is pretty important, right? So they've really got to have that you know, background in machine learning and data science, understanding how to apply that tech. Okay. Yeah. I think those are some 
really, uh, really important elements to look at for sure. So something that I think is, I, I'd be curious to pick your brain on as well is, you know, what are some of the areas and maybe like the the industries or the niches specifically that you think uh, AI is and these new AI startups are going to have a big impact in transforming? I believe in your in your recent uh, talk at AI4, you talked a little bit about finance, but like, what are some other areas and use cases that you think will be particularly exciting or transformative? Yeah, and as a as as the fund for Thomson Reuters, we actually are kind of in three sweet spots. They're in they're all thesis that we focus on, and we have solutions in the market in those categories. So legal, which we know there's a big um, focus in legal AI and legal tech applied uh, AI applied to legal um, tax, which I talked a little bit about at AI four and just broadly fintech. Um, but we've seen a lot of you know up and coming tax comp- uh, tech as well in AI, and then we have a big practice in risk and fraud. So that's also an area where um, applying AI you get a lot of benefit, right? You can really benefit from having AI applied to large databases and being able to find things you weren't able to find in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super exciting. So I think something that, you know, really brought, I, I think maybe like Thompson Routers, because people kind of think of that as like a news organization, maybe off the top of their head, because they see that, you know, the branding, um, something that I think caught people off guard and helped people really realize how serious of a player you guys are in this kind of AI and this venture space, specifically, like you mentioned, law being one of the key areas is an investment earlier this year into case text, right? Um, I believe this was a investment. We, we recently had uh, Jake Heller on the podcast from Case Text uh, talking about it. And uh, really interesting. I'd be curious if if at all you were involved or if you have any insights into that deal or I guess maybe the focus in, in law and, and what that kind of signals from Thomson Reuters. Yeah, so um, Thomson Reuters is set up. So strategy, our strategy team actually runs M&A and um, that is the same umbrella that our venture fund is under, okay. although they are independent. Okay. Um, that said, I would, you know, like any other corporate fund, your venture investments kind of become an M&A pipeline. Yeah. But most corporate venture funds only acquire about 10% of what they invest in. So it's not it's not mandated or uh, definitive that if you invest, you'll get acquired. Right. Um, so I did I was not directly involved per se, in that transaction. Of course, I knew about it and what was happening. And certainly because we look at a lot of, our team looks at a lot of um, legal AI tech. Uh-huh. Um, we were certainly part of diligence and looking at the tech and understanding what they had. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there may have been one person on my team that was pretty involved. So, yes, we are very familiar with that. And we really um, believe what they're doing from you know, an AI perspective is leading in legal tech overall. Mm-hmm. That's sad. So that was a, a outright acquisition, yeah. right? So we own that now. That acquisition is done. They are part of TR um, and we're super excited about it. Um, we still invest in tech that we believe in and we believe is going to be next generation as well. And so, mm-hmm. you know, one of the other companies we invested in, same category, different application is Spellbook. Okay. Um, out of Canada. Um, I think they're the leading drafting solution today um, in AI. And given their their head start, they may be the leading solution forever. 
Um, they're pretty far ahead and the technology is amazing. So we will acquire, we will invest. And, in, you know, I think our strategy is we're going to do both and we're developing our own tech as well. Mm -hmm. So we were, you know, the technology that TR has had and sold for, you know, many years and um, improved upon is all based on ML and AI. So we're just moving a lot of that tech to what is the next generation. And, you know, much of that is, is shipping soon as well. So I think we'll have, you know, build, buy, and invest. Very cool. Very exciting. Yeah, I, I honestly see a lot of really exciting things coming out of Thomson Reuters and um, really cool that you're going to be part of that. Something I would love to get your perspective on, especially having been a founder yourself um, and kind of been in, on that side of it as well. What are some common pitfalls you feel like perhaps today some AI companies are falling into and, and maybe how can they avoid those? Well, I, mostly on the investing side, I think it's the same thing that's happening that happened in 2021, right? Over raising, you know, I, I you know, I, I read something earlier this week and I, I should have written it down um, and I didn't realize, I think I was going to bring it up on this podcast, okay. but somebody said um, bootstrapping is cool again. And I'm like, when was it not cool? I, you know. <laughs> Um, the first startup I did was a company called software.com and no, we didn't sell software. Um, it was actually an email company. So they built the infrastructure to allow for more than 5,000 domains on, on, um, as, as your domain, as your email domain. Cause if you recall back in the day, you know, you could only have so many email addresses with the same domain. There was a limitation Um, I believe it was Microsoft's limitation and software.com they came up with an amazing um, solution that allowed large internet service providers to have as many email addresses they wanted under the same domain. Ah, oh, very cool. Um, and, but, but what was interesting is it was completely bootstrapped, right? Went public in 99, did extremely well, merged with another company. Um, and so I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean? Bootstrapping is always <laughs> cool because you're not giving up any of your company. You're maintaining the equity amongst the founders and the employees, which what better situation could you have, mm -hmm. especially if you know and believe the company is going to be successful. That's not always possible, right? Especially in AI, you do have a lot of expense just in, you know, compute, right? So, you know, I noticed a lot of um, VCs are offering compute as payment, right? So we'll give you money. We'll also give you, you know, chips, right? I, I guess they're friends with NVIDIA. So they're able to, you know, go out and, and uh, offer up um, compute power, which, you know, if you're a new, new company and that's something that's really important to you, that's a yeah. great option. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a great offer. So um, it's not easy to go bootstrap, especially an AI company, but the less money you take and the more equity you keep, especially early, I think is really important, right? I think over raising and, and, stepping in or and over raising and stepping into a valuation that is really hard to get to is is tough and yeah. yes there'll be a few companies that can do it there's always a few but for those that are going to take a little longer to get there to you know you'll get to the point where the valuation is so high you're going to end up doing a down round and that's where we're at from 2021 yeah. many of those companies are either selling or doing a down round because they have no choice right yeah. so i would say that's you know in ai right now people are willing to pay up and while it's 
good because you don't have to take as much dilution, I would be careful. Take the least amount of money you can take. Mm, I love that. That's that's interesting because, of course, uh, you know, that's definitely contradictory advice to what some people would say, which is, you know, just get as much as you can. Um, so I think that is really great advice. Something I'd be curious to to pick your brain about and ask about is, you know, based off of what you're seeing, like, how do you see kind of AI evolving in the enterprise sector, specifically maybe law and maybe taxes, some other areas you're focused on? But like over the next five years, what are some of the, the shifts and changes you think we're going to be seeing? I think a lot of the repetitive tasks that can be easily, you can apply AI to them very easily. Those are going to be the first to to take advantage of it, right? Because they're low risk. So you can use AI to solve, you know, repetitive problems. So I think, you know, customer support is a good example where you could, you know, replace some of that early stage customer support with AI. I mean, legal is a great example because there's drafting is a perfect place for you to apply it, right? Mm -hmm. You're, you're looking at it, but it's giving you examples and taking data that the firm has internally and using it against new contracts. It's interesting because, you know, when Spellbook first came out with their solution last, I guess, October, November, um, you know, some of the feedback they got when we were talking to them early on was that the early stage lawyers, right, first, second year, um, you spend a lot of time, you know, senior partners and um, senior lawyers in the firm spend a lot of time training them and teaching them about the ways of the law firm and how they approach different types of contract drafting and, and you know, et cetera. But by having this drafting tool, you're actually taking in a bunch of content from your firm, right? So it's building a model around what your how your firm does it. And it's giving suggestions to that new lawyer on how to, you know, write the best contract, come up with some different alternatives on, you know, um, getting it done without having to go back and ask somebody um, at a senior level. So it saves a lot of time from that perspective. And I think it it speeds up the training, which I don't think originally was part of the value proposition, right? It speeds up contract drafting. It gets more work done faster. Um, it's more accurate. Um, you have better examples. All of that was kind of the reasoning behind applying AI to drafting, but the learning part of that has turned out to be really great as well. So I think that is interesting. And I think that exact same um, example applies to tax, right? Tax is even, um, even probably going to accept it more because that area, if you think about accountants, there just aren't enough of them, right? There aren't enough new accounts, a lot of accountants retiring and not enough new ones going into the business. So just trying to augment some of the work, um, I think is going to be pretty important in tax. So those are going to be, I think, easy wins. Um, and then there'll be a lot harder, you know, yeah, a lot harder things that are people are, you know, more fearful about and like is it is it gonna you know give me the right answer is it gonna hallucinate mm -hmm. you know in the end ai is as accurate as its data source so it really depends on what model you know what did the model use um to build the model right, right. what data source did it use not what did the model use not even friday yeah. um, but that I think is really important, right? Because if you're using a closed data source that you know the data is accurate, 
you know, you're not going to have an issue with the wrong answer mm-hmm. or you shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just scraping the whole internet and asking a question, it's not going to be right all the time. Yeah. Um, I think that's, I think that's really uh, insightful and it's so, so many exciting things that are happening. And you know, the thing I also tell people a lot, right? Like when people kind of bring up the concern, like of inaccuracy and in AI models and whatnot is, you know, like there are, there are things that are not perfect today, 100%. This is a very new and like exciting technology. But uh, I think when people discount the power of AI and what it's capable of because of perhaps where it is today, I'm just like, look at how far it's come. Like eventually some of these small things where, you know, it's not perfect at this or that, like those will all get fixed. Those will all get solved. Yeah. You know, that's a, we're already, we've come so far. Now these are some of the small areas. So I think, you know, I, I see like sometimes people that are like doubters or haters on AI are like, you know, it, it's just not there yet. I'm like, I'm like, I really want to focus on that. I would focus on like what happens when it is perfect because like that will be a future. So what does that look like? What are the conversations we need to have um, and, and whatnot? Something I'm really curious to ask you about. So I know in the past you worked um, at, at Microsoft's M1, M12 fund, is it? M12. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you worked on kind of, it was kind of interesting when I was looking into it on this kind of North America and India um, kind of sphere. You know, a lot of times I talk to VCs and whatnot, a lot of investment funds are kind of geographically based. So a lot of people that listen to the show might be more so investing into companies based in the United States, for example. I'd be curious from you, like if you have any insights on differences or things to be aware of or things that are interesting about um, perhaps looking at companies in India or companies in North America, what are some of the strengths in in both places? Yeah, so... So M12, so we, we kind of split the fund. So North American India was about 70, 75% of the fund. And then we had a, a pretty sophisticated team in Israel. Okay. Um, and if, if you think about Israel and what are they good at, cybersecurity. So they're yeah. super focused on cybersecurity. And M12 made some amazing investments out of Israel in cybersecurity. Great fit, super targeted, um, made a lot of sense. As far as India went, we were also pretty targeted. It was companies that were going, that wanted to and needed to face West, right? So great technology. It wasn't specific to that region per se, because they were going to turn and face West because that's where Microsoft could help them. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are a lot of um, regionally based VCs that are in, you know, the Middle East or India that are looking at tech that's really solving issues in those regions only, and they're not facing West. And that's just a different strategy. It's not the strategy Microsoft had. Mm -hmm. Um, We are doing the same thing. We're investing globally. I would say 70% of our fund is North America. We've made two investments in um, Europe um, so far out of the 13 that we've made. And um, we are looking at Southeast Asia as well because it's a very big growing area for us. So we're looking at it, trying to figure out what tech makes sense and where we can help them. Okay, very cool. Very interesting. Yeah, it's exciting. There's so many different, you know, like you mentioned, Israel, for example, really strong on cybersecurity. It's kind of cool to see different geographic locations that really excel at certain things and kind of looking at uh, different strengths around the world there. Um, Something I'd be I'd love to, you know, ask you about is um, for, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs today that are working on AI startups and, and working on, you know, building out some of these solutions, what is some advice you feel like you could give to, to them as they're kind of looking at, uh, you know, building out these new AI companies? One, they need to differentiate, right? What problem are they trying to solve? I think that there's a little bit of, um, 
uh, pushback and people saying, well, they're just building a little tool on top of OpenAI. Um, I, I don't know if, if it matters what LLM you're using, but be prepared to explain why, right? Because you should be able to, what if another LLM is better in the future, right? Is open source going to develop, you know, LLMs that are better than OpenAI or Cohere or Anthropic? Who knows? Right now, no. But um, so they need to be flexible and understand why they're using that model and then understand the data source, right? And and so we're, you know, the, they're, you really have to understand where you're pulling the data from in order to solve the problem to make sure you don't have the problems that, you know, people have referenced over and over again. Because I completely agree with you completely. First of all, AI, I do think it's ready right now and it's only going to get better. And every company will use AI to some extent, if not a lot, right? And, and I think it's just a change in the way we're going to apply technology going forward. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100% agree with you. Tamara, thank you so much for coming on the AI Chat Podcast and sharing your insights. This has been a phenomenal conversation, super, super enlightening. If people are interested in reaching out to you, perhaps founders or other people, um, what's a good way for them to get in contact with you or, you know, Thompson Routers Venture Fund? Yeah, so it's just tamara.steppens at tr.com is my email. You can email me directly. LinkedIn is always great. LinkedIn and... <clears throat> Um, I was going to say Twitter, but I guess I have to say X, just at Tamara Steffens. Okay, fantastic. I will leave some links in the show notes to that. But once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. To the listener, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a, a fantastic rest of your day.